2: A feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. So Cody, third podcast on the Arizona Trail camera. You think this is a controversial topic?
3: Yeah, absolutely. It's a controversial topic. I mean, there's people there's people, there's smart, passionate people on both sides of it. Um I'm sure there's someone out there that thinks we're giving it too much coverage, but I promise you this is uh it's not just an Arizona conversation right now, right? I mean, there's other states tackling these things and it's it's going to be it's going to be a bigger issue. It it's an issue that that uh affects the hunting community. Um and I think anytime there's a, we deal with a lot of topics where I don't have much respect for the argument that one side is giving, right? Like we, at Blood Origins, we deal with a lot of things where someone tries to pass a regulation and I'm just immediately like blown away. I I, I don't understand this. I don't understand side A's point. Um. To me, this is this is one of those conundrum deals that uh, I don't think he, there's there's no real bad guy in my mind. There's no real these people are out to screw somebody or these people want to do something that they shouldn't. You know, I, I don't right. and that that's why I think they get heated um, is because you know the U.S. getting involved in World War II was a pretty clean cut deal right? Like there was a real bad guy. There was a couple of them involved in that deal and somebody needed to do something about it. Um, This one in my mind is not that clear cut thing. And I think that's why giving both sides an opportunity to discuss it um, is the right thing to do. I don't know if it's the popular thing to do, but it's the right thing to do.
2: Yeah. And it's weighty, right? And we weighed in way in the beginning with the commissioners that we have on today, and we gave them an opportunity to speak. And we gave them an opportunity to speak from their side. And we got absolutely, <laughs> what's the word?
3: <laughs> Blood yeah.
2: Origins was absolutely, you know, tanked or whatever you want to call us. Because we all of a sudden were the commissioner's pets. We, Blood Origins was this entity that sided with the commissioners. And you guys didn't even give us a fair chance. And I was like, all we did was give the commissioners a, an opportunity to speak their mind without chastising them, without smashing them in the face. Like they've probably been smashed in the face constantly. And so that was back in, Jim, when did we speak? February, March? Yes. And... Um, that was way before everything that's unraveled. And so just for everyone's context, back in March we met with Commissioner Guggenauer. Did I say that right? Because I messed it what up the saying? first time. Did I get that right? Okay. Yes. Guggenauer and Commissioner Davis. And we talked about the trail camera at that time. And as I've said this on another podcast, if you had asked me, uh Jim, if you would said Robbie, where do you think we're gonna land? I would have said, well, I think at the time when we spoke, it was very much a blanket ban across the board. I would have said that I think that the bar has been set really high and it would be drawn down to be a little bit more regional and a little bit more specific. But that's not what happened. A blanket ban was put in place, uh, five to nothing by the commissioners, voted by the commissioners. And so we wanted to have you back on because obviously we've spoken to people in the middle. We've spoken to people that are completely against your decision. And we wanted to speak to you because you were the decision makers. And I think Cody and I have spoken about this in the past is that we don't envy the position that you're in because you are the ones that are stewarding the resources for the state of Arizona. Like we said in the beginning, in the first podcast for our kids and our grandkids one day. And so you have to think about things at a much larger scale than in the here and now. So I'm going to stop talking, and I'm going to turn it over to you, uh, Commissioner Guganawa, to start with, and then I'll let you t- turn it over to Commissioner Davis, and maybe just set the scene for us. Um, the reason why you voted yes, um, and we'll go from there.
0: Sure. Thank you, uh, Robbie, for having us back on. Appreciate the opportunity. And one of the things that we talked about is during our commission meeting in June, when we spoke in February, the the rule that was on the table was a ban for the use of trail cameras for the take of wildlife. We always have to separate that out. That it's it's a limited application that we're talking about. There are legal reasons that cameras could be used. Uh, we heard arguments that some hunters wanted to teach their children about wildlife or to teach their youth about wildlife. They can still do that. It's just that you can't use that camera for the take of wildlife. So mm-hmm. we we heard lots of arguments related to that. And there's, there's plenty of other reasons for research. Uh, for birding, for photography, uh, you can come up with a plethora of reasons that people might want to have trail cameras into the forest, and those are all legal. So we wanted to keep that. So after we started into the public comment hearing in March, we we got the same feedback like you're talking about that maybe there's a, a different approach, maybe there's another thing that we can look at. So after the March uh, public uh, input, we received nearly 2000 comments from the public on that. So just like your podcast was getting swamped, uh, the department was getting swamped and the websites that we have here in Arizona, they were getting swamped. Lots of people were were debating this thing. So a couple of months later, I think it was an April timeframe, could have been May, the Commission voted to open a se- second uh, rulemaking for consideration. And that was a consideration of two things. A season for the use of cameras and then removing cameras a certain distance from water. And they were not independent. They were two combined motions that we could have. So. We got another 2,000 inputs on that uh, proposal. So I know that some people and I've seen this on some of the web, web um, the websites where they talked about oh, 4,000 people were opposed. They're combining the two different rulemakings, which is inaccurate. With the first one was for the band. The second one was for the season in the off-water. So. There's a little bit of okay. confusion there, but if you sum all those up at the end of the the two, we're in a position where it was about 50-50. You could argue, you know, 45, 55, or the other way around, but it was it was close to that number uh, going into that. Uh, I'll also add, just, just a point of fact, after, the decision's been made, there's probably been more people come out in support of the commission's action than we had ever during the debate. So I thought that that was uh, Mm -hmm. kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. But what really got us to this problem was uh, inputs from constituents about issues that were happening in the field. Uh, We know there's a, and I like kurt 's uh, term here generational kind of drought going on in the West right now uh, with applications like uh, Onx and things that can contract where all the water are. everybody knows where the water holes are and in Arizona, we have three thousand water holes, and every one of them is shown on a map, so anybody can walk into there and find locations where there's going to be um, a water hole and a place to to put a camera down there. So it impacts. The other thing that we heard from constituents routinely was confrontations that were happening in the in the field. Right, uh, one guy having a hunt, an active hunt. He's in his tree stand, and somebody drives in on a quad and literally drives right to the edge of the water hole on his quad, gets off, checks his camera, gets his SD card, turns around and leaves. Uh, some hunters spoke up about that. Hey, what are you, what are you doing in my area? I am, I'm hunting here. And varying degrees from, I didn't say anything to the person. I just let him come in and out, but it happened every day during my hunt to where people actually got out of the tree and got confrontational and um, uh, those types of things. Uh, uh, inputs were received by the department. So those are out there. I mean, those aren't uh, made up. I know a lot of people say that, you know, they're, they're I've never had an incident like that. And, and I'm sure it's a small number that do that, but uh, those are out there and it's getting worse. When you think in the state of Arizona, that we have seven and a half million people here today, the population in Arizona is growing about 100,000 people every year, or about a million people every decade, we increase in Arizona. With COVID, they're saying this could probably be every nine years that we would add a million people to our population. So this isn't gonna get any better. I mean, the more people that are out there, the urbanization that's going on in the state of Arizona, and then you couple that with private land that people don't have access to go hunt, and even on public land where some gates are locked and denying public access to that, all of a sudden you start to get squeezed down in a lot of cases to, to where these water sources are. And I I say this for last because my, my uh decision making process was more uh more about the fair chase. I'm more of an analytical type person, and I like to see things black and white. A lot of times, these, these aren't black and white kind of decisions that we make. But when I look at fair chase, and I look at the North American model for wildlife conservation, and it clearly states in those documents that the animals must be given a fair chase, fair chance to escape what they're, uh, what they're being hunted. And clearly, this does not cameras do not do that. The Arizona Game and Fish Department has a Fair Chase website, and I encourage everybody that's listening to your podcast to go look at it, at the Arizona Game and Fish Department Fair Chase. And it specifically states that technologies or practices that give a hunter an unfair advantage is not fair chase. The second one, is that a technology or practice that allows a person to pursue wildlife without being present. And I kind of emphasize that even during the commission meeting that without being present is just an absolute description of what a trail camera is doing out there. It is scouting without you being present. And the third one is that it makes it almost certain of you harvesting an animal. Uh, we listen to both sides. You know, we have people that oppose the the ban, and they say, "I've never seen an animal on my trail camera that uh, that I harvested." We listen to people that support the ban, and they go, "Hell yeah, we see animals on our trail. That's why we have them there. That's why we're hunting them." Mm-hmm. So you get both sides of of those arguments. But for me. There's a plethora of reasons out there. Each commissioner—I um, hope everybody listened to the June commission meeting—because each commissioner had a different perspective on why they voted for this. Mine was specifically the fair chase issue, and I'll be glad to turn it over to Kurt, and he he had a different perspective on some uh, some of his reasoning.
2: Go ahead, Commissioner Davis. Let's uh, let's hear your side, and then we'll ask some some poignant questions if that's okay.
4: Thank you and and to you and Cody as well. And I appreciate, it's always good to see my colleague, Jim uh, Guggenauer, who's a very dedicated commissioner. You know, the, the issues that we were dealing with, Jim outlined many of them. At the end of the day, in my nine and a half years on the commission, we have increasing population growth, increasing number of people that put in for our limited number of tags that are available. We have record numbers of license holders. We have back-to-back hunts, as you're aware of, in our units where you'll have as many, you'll have eight consecutive hunts going on in our units. So quality of hunting uh, is also an issue that the commission has to pay attention to. We have a dramatic change that's occurring in our harvest rates between, I'll give you an example, between har- archery and muzzleloader. Our last data that we're getting now has archery within five percentage points of the harvest take rates of muzzleloader. And there's obviously a lot more archery tags than there are muzzleloader tags. But the, the equipment, and I mentioned this in my discussions uh, as I voted on this, I asked some simple questions of the public. Are your we- is your weapon better than it was 25 years ago? Are your optics better than they were 25 years ago? Is your access to the forest through UHVs and quads etc. better than it was 25 years ago? And even is your clothing that we we all wear out in the field better than it was 25 years ago? The answer to those questions, I think, is an obvious yes the animal has not changed in that time period. And when you layer that in with drought, generational drought, the ability to identify every water hole in Arizona, all of those things combined create a situation where we have to make strategic choices as a commission to perpetuate the ability for people to hunt 20, 25, and 30 years from now. And if we don't look at all the devices and we don't look at all the attributes of our sport, that could absolutely be impacted in the future. And the last thing I'll say is we didn't look at this from anything other than Arizona's viewpoint. I don't think you have this conversation in places like Minnesota or Alabama, as we talked about last time where water sources are are ubiquitous and they change and they're always new ones. It's a much different scale that we are in in Arizona and our job as a commission, again, I wanna walk off the commission in January, knowing that I created the best that I could, opportunity for Arizona sportsmen and and our friends that come visit us for the next 25, 35, 50 years.
2: Thank you Commissioner Davis. Um, so I, I appreciate both of you and 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 obviously the your viewpoints and your decisions and your reasoning for why you chose to vote for a trail camera. So um I've got some questions that I'd like to pose from you that I think is is some of the things that we've heard and I know Cody's been it's been sort of running around in his brain so I'm going to start with, with you, Jim. If that's okay, your reason for why you decided to ban the trail camera was fair chase, okay? However, you're probably well aware that Boone and Crockett, Pope and Young, National Deer Association all believe that the use of trail cameras is fair chase.
0: Um, yes, so I, you know, we've been uh, hearing that. Since this decision was made, and we should actually, Kirk could probably answer this or he can follow up because he was actually uh, interviewed by Boone and Crockett. And when it was explained to the author of the article that was published in Boone and Crockett, what we were doing and why we were doing it, specifically goes to the drought issue. At the end of the article, the author agreed with it and he stated that explicitly he agreed with the arizona game and fish commission that when you talk about a drought and you talk about excessive numbers of cameras and you couple that with fair chase something needed to be done and they supported that Um, i believe and this is my personal opinion there will be other groups and other agencies that will come around to this thinking if you if you research it enough and you really dig into it and spend the time researching it, there is no other alternative, Robbie. This, if you allow this to continue, and we get two decades down the road from where we are today, we are beyond Mm -hmm. the capability of maintaining wildlife for future generations. And I, you know, we go back in time, history always is the best teacher, right? So, uh, I go back and I think of Theodore Roosevelt in the early 1900s when he came out west and he watched the uh, the buffalo being uh, taken here and the wildlife being taken. There was a huge market on the East Coast and in Europe for pelts and furs and feathers and meat and everybody was making good money. I mean, even the railroads and the river barges that shipped this stuff down to New Orleans to send it over Europe, uh, they were were opposed to Theodore Roosevelt doing anything legislatively to impact that. Life was good for all those people. If it wasn't for conservation like Aldo, Leopold, George Grinnell, Roosevelt himself, you know, the Pittman-Robinson Act would have never been passed on September 2nd, 1937. Had it not been for that conservation legislation, we probably wouldn't have this conversation today because there probably wouldn't be hunting in America today. And so if we fast forward to where we are today, our job as commissioners is to look forward for the next generation and the next generation and make sure that we preserve that. And this is one, in my mind, that this, there was no other alternative than to do this. It is the right thing to do and i'm i'm happy to sit here on the podcast maybe somebody looking at this 20 years from now going that commissioner just said the right thing right so one of the things that
2: you know let me push a little bit because i'm allowed to and we've developed a pretty good relationship even though the author of the boone and Crockett said that he agreed with you as a policy Boone and Crockett, as a policy, Pope and Young, as a policy, NDA, believe that trail cameras are fair chase. So you did go against the grain, essentially, of these big organizations in the United States. So then,
0: I mean, my answer to that...
4: This is Kurt. I wanted to clarify that the article, actually, the article, the the Boone and Crockett put out a statement saying they support the 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 game and fish department and the decision that was made the second component to that i think it's always important to point out they are actually going to consider reopening uh, their view of this issue by the way they have you know their fair chase committee is contemplating whether they need to to reopen this but even if they choose not to which i would certainly understand their that organization appropriately so, represents a specific piece of the outdoor community, of their of sportsmen and the recreation of hunting. A Game and Fish Commissioner in a department also represents the species themselves, the wildlife, the conservation, all the pieces of science that go into it. And I just want to add one more thing, and then I'll I'll shut up for you. One of the one of the important things that that also comes out of the discussion of this rule, there were a number of businesses that were preparing to f- now provide camera services, uh, so that and and some of them communicated with us, which I give them a lot of credit, saying, "Look, I'm getting ready to launch my." camera business and I'm going to sell subscriptions to my camera service. If you had that on a wide scale occurring in Arizona, say we had 10 or 15 of those businesses with thousands of cameras out on in the field and now just simply selling subscription services and you could even have, you know, variable pay rates for what animals you got to see or not got to get to see based on your subscription levels. Now you're getting into the full monetization of wildlife, which is another thing that a commissioner has to be, um, has to use as part of uh, consideration. Because we all, I think would agree that are sitting in this podcast that the monetization of wildlife itself, if left unchecked and, I, and as, as, as it was at the turn of the century, that will create a scenario where the future generations are not going to have the same opportunities that we have.
3: Cody. Yeah, so I, I think uh, all great points. A um, couple of things that I jotted down. I'll just I mean, the technology thing, like obviously there's things in the world that are gray and subjective areas, right? Because you you have a group of people that say we should all be only using handmade longbows. They're, they're, those people exist. And then you have a group of people who have rifles who, through Bluetooth, have to do very, very little to get the exact range and pull the trick. Like, there's this huge gap. And with technology, there has to be a decision made. I think really one of the big rubs on this is that trail cams have been a thing for a while, right? Like this wouldn't we wouldn't even this wouldn't even be worth talking about if someone said, "Hey, I think I'm going to invent a trail cam," and then Arizona Game and Fish said you can't use them to take animals, and it never happened, right? We're 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 physically pulling away something um, to something that people have been doing. you know, some of them 15, 20 years probably is a safe estimate for how long folks have been using trail cams. That subjectiveness, um, is a thing that I see in our system of government. There's not a lot of, that's your guys's decision, right? When it, when it comes to the subject subjective, what's best for our mission as an organization, that's your decision. Um, I think that there was a lot of feathers ruffled because of what Robbie brought up, that kind of the rest of the governing bodies in the hunting world at this point right now disagree. That's where the feathers got ruffled. But at the same time, it's almost a – that's a subjective gray area. And the way that the state of Arizona is set up, that's your guys' call. The the two points that stick out to me that, again, I've said this multiple times before. It's weird for me because I don't think it's my business. I'm not a resident of Arizona, right? At the same time, I'm in the hunting industry and I make time every week to have a discussion about it. So we're talking about it. Um, The big one to me is why did it jump? All the way to an all out ban, as opposed to some of the other things that you were talking about, as opposed to a geographical mandate in spacing or a season um, or you know, some type of, I guess, an ease into an ease into it. And again, it being such a big deal because so many people are doing it now. And, you know, I think some of them are even taking personal offense to like you're 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 calling them out as non fair chase hunters. Right. I, I don't feel that. But I think that's what's happening in some of their minds because they've been using trail camps for 10 years. Um, why why did we go from a potential ease into it? to an all out band, and please keep in mind, I give zero credence to any of the assumptions about that why that happened on the internet. Um, I'm, I, it, it's a question that I would love to at least discuss if not have answered here today.
0: All right, so maybe I can take a couple of questions there and then Kirk can, can follow up with the why. Um, let me talk about the, the cameras first of all. In 2018, we, the commission had this debate and they banned live transmitting cameras. And guess what? Nobody had a problem with it. There were some hardcore people that said, you shouldn't be doing this, but the vast majority of people said, live, live transmission of the camera is an unfair advantage to the hunter and you shouldn't do that. So if you think about the difference between a live action uh, camera and going to check an SD card on a regular basis, especially during a live action hunt, it's not—it's not a big transition. You're doing basically the same thing. It's not real time, but you—you you are definitely looking at it. So if we think about technology, and I'm—this is my personal opinion. I want to be. Clear that I'm not speaking for the commission or the department here, but when we talk about other technologies, there are really good technologies out there that should be used in hunting and should be used in fishing, and we don't have problems with with those and I'll give you an example let's talk about the thousand yard rifle, you know the long range shooting uh, concept um, And I have to preface it by saying that It is always gonna come down to the skills and the ethic of the person pulling the trigger. There's no way getting around that thing. But if somebody manufactures a rifle that is more accurate than another rifle, I'm for that. If it makes a lethal kill shot and we can uh, dispatch the animal perfectly, that's why we have increased technology. That's why we're not back to using spears and, and bows and arrows. So those technologies are good. Range finders, in my mind, fall into that same category. If it helps somebody determine what that distance is, that's aiding to the kill. And so I view that whole thing generically speaking, because you you could open debates up about all that, but generically speaking. Technology that aids for a uh, more lethal kill of an animal or more humane kill is what I'm in favor of. Cameras don't fall into that category. Camera is a scouting tool. And I separate those two things out in in my mind. So, Cody, I hope that helps answer a couple of those questions. I'll turn it over to Kurt for the why Uh, we didn't do something less than that.
4: So, Cody, I want to, first of all, thank you for the question. It's Those those are legitimate questions. The second piece to that, I've never started from the presumption that anyone that uses cameras is doing anything wrong or unsportsmanlike. It was an allowed tool to be used in the field, and it still is until this January. And those who choose to use it, they were using something that was available to them. The discussion about cameras actually has been going on since I've been on the commission for nearly 10 years. Um, And and during that time, I'm sure you know, technology, the cameras themselves have improved and changed dramatically as well as the cost basis. And also Arizona is not the first state to disallow the use of cameras. Nevada went to a season's model which, by the way, they are now reconsidering because it, it, it creates issues where you have cameras being used in certain species hunts and you have not cameras being used in other species hunts, which in some ways makes no sense at all. Um, they're an arid state like us and we're dealing with some of the same exact issues. And, and, and I've talked to members of the commission there and their uh, folks in their department. And the issue of cameras will be back on their table. It's on the table in Utah, I know you're aware of that, another state that has large arid areas. So you're, but I, your questions are always legitimate. And what you do as a commissioner is you're amalgamating all the technologies. You're looking at through a lens of all the technologies, not one in itself. We deal with all kinds of technologies that never get the headline, so to speak. Drones, self-shooting rifles, that, you know, that, that kind of technology. Um, you know, we deal with, you know, automatic, we had to deal with, you know, you went from old-fashioned baiting, as I'll call it, to automatic baiting distribution systems. All of these technologies ebb and flow and they change. And commissions have to deal with that. And by the way, the easy thing to do in any of these uh, decisions, quite frankly, is to kind of pretend it's not going on and go about your business as a commissioner. Again, that would be a failure of your oath and your responsibility to try to perpetuate the sport of hunting and the ability to inter, uh, for people to interact with wildlife for future generations. And so those are the things you deal with. Hunting organizations, you understand their advocacy for and against. There were hunting organizations, by the way, that supported the camera ban. There's not some you know, uh, unanimous decision among hunting organizations. There's obviously disagreement among hunters. There's disagreement among hunters about uh, what you just described, whether we should only use the longbow or we should use Uh, our new most advanced technologically advanced bows or not. Those arguments will never cease. Uh, There's arguments among muzzleloader hunters about whether you use old school blunderbuss or whether you can use online inline muzzleloader systems. So those debates are part of being on the commission. They rage and they go on all the time. And you have to take all of these technological decisions look at them in their totality, and look at the landscape and the population mix and the area that we are responsible for, which is Arizona. And again, that's far different than Alabama, Minnesota, uh, Pennsylvania, Pick pick your flavor. Our job is Arizona, and our job is to try to perpetuate hunting and perpetuate the, the, the health of wildlife for future generations. It's that simple.
2: Let me ask this, Jim, that I, you know, couldn't really get to the whole blanket question that, that Cody was after. And, and that's really, I guess that was my surprise too. And I mentioned that at the beginning of this podcast, did we, did the blanket ban, you know, we talk a lot about bad apples. There's bad mm-hmm. apples in the hunting community and they paint a bad picture for all of us. Did you not just take the bad apple and essentially, like, put that perception on everyone in Arizona in terms of the confrontations, in terms of, you know, the guy down in South Arizona that does, the, does nobody even knows he has a trail camera back there. He doesn't harm anybody. And now he's like, holy smokes, I can't use my trail camera because these idiots up in the north can't do what they're supposed to do.
0: Yeah, yeah. We, um, we definitely heard those arguments and I'll start, you know, where Kurt was going, is that 97 to 98% of the hunters in the state of Arizona abide by the rules that we have in place. Uh, There will always be a small percentage of people that will ignore whatever rules are are in place. So we're not talking about um, a large number of our people, but in Arizona, we hunt from the beginning of August until the end of May, straight through. So we're talking about how many cameras are out in the field and and when they're there and how much of that we have uh, going on. June and July are the two most recreated times in the state of Arizona. In the valley and in Tucson, in Phoenix and Tucson, it is so hot, everybody wants to come up here and recreate. So our force are full in the summertime of people camping, people riding quads, people in the forest. So when you look at it, it is continual that we have people out there. And uh, you know, when do animals get a, a chance to rest? Uh, shed hunting is huge in the state of Arizona. We have people out there hunting sheds all the time. So constantly there are people in the, in the forest putting pressure on it. And it's not a question of a few bad apples or a few guys that are making this. It's more like we were talking about in the earlier segment. I think that um, making sure that uh, we do ethical hunting here. Everybody agrees in Arizona and even nationally, if you have legal, regulated and ethical hunting, people support that. If you don't have one of those three things going in, people don't support it. So we you can get a small group of people that say, oh, it's only isolating in a certain area. It is not. It's a philosophical question about what is the ethics of our hunting and what do we want hunting to be for the next generation and beyond.
3: Cody. Um not to and I I it's very important to me that that it doesn't come across that I really have a rock solid stance on this either way, but I guess I would have to ask for just one more comment on why we didn't do why, why you didn't do, it's not me. Why there wasn't some sort of a first step, why there wasn't, um, I, I, I think your answer of, you know, all year round, our land is inundated with people. I, I, I completely botched and paraphrased what you said, Commissioner, and I'm not trying to do that, but I, I get what you're saying there. Um, but was, was that the reasoning discussed in the commission, in the, in the process of going from, so, you know, like in Colorado, shed hunting is a gigantic thing as well. So we have a shed hunting season Um, to try and eliminate some of that pressure. um, You know, that's a whole nother discussion that I don't really completely understand it because the people are still up there walking around. They're just not picking up the thing they can after April 1. But but was that the reason, the year round activity with the reasoning for not doing a season or not doing a geographical perimeter around the 3000 water sources?
0: Well, the season is is just that, you know, we hunt 10 months out of the year here. So that's why a season uh, wouldn't work. As far as why we don't have it on water, uh, we heard from constituents that if you say you can't can't mount a trail camera within a quarter mile of water, everybody will move a quarter mile plus a hundred yards and um, put a camera on every trail leading to that water. So you're not gonna fix anything by doing that. In fact, you're gonna exacerbate the problem, and increase the number of cameras that are that are out there. So uh, it was, I think a lot of people looking at different aspects we, we have a long hunting season, season like our back to back, like Kirk was uh, saying earlier, um, we there literally were companies that sell the data that they have from their cameras that they would put out there uh from the times that they could collect information and then and then uh put that out on a either a website or sell it some way and then more cameras that would be in the field if you tried to move it away from water So speaking for this, Commissioner, that's kind of where I was coming from, that I didn't think we were going to fix anything by trying to impose a season or a distance from water.
2: Jim, one of the things you mentioned in the beginning was tied to confrontation, right? This idea that someone's going to walk in on a waterhole, someone's hunting it, they get upset, you're messing up my hunt kind of thing. But doesn't Arizona have the first come first serve? Wasn't that something that was really pushed hard in Arizona from a law perspective? And so, number one, I, again, I'm like Cody, I'm not a, a resident of Arizona. I do not hunt Arizona. Is that a law that is, that people abide by Are law enforcement officers called in, you know, is the etiquette there for this first come first serve?
0: So um, if Kurt's back on, he could probably answer this better than me, but the first come first serve was more related to tree stands. And what happened in a couple of cases is that a hunter who owned a tree stand walked into his hunting spot and there was a person sitting in his tree stand. And I think at the end of the day, they said it's public land and therefore anybody can use that tree stand and it is a first come first serve basis. And I'll turn it over to Kurt because I know he's got more than the history here.
4: I didn't, I didn't hear all of that. And I apologize. I'm still trying to make my connection work from little Dolores, Colorado, a little better that I think the, and I've heard parts of what you were discussing. And I, and I don't want to run too far afield from that. And, and Cody and Robbie's, uh, legitimate, thoughtful questions, you, the, the what the effect of quality of hunts is something that hunters in Arizona regularly talk to the commission about. The number of people who are out on the resource, from if you're in the sixth hunt and I'm in the third hunt, and you're coming in and out of water holes, you're coming, you know, as as somebody would like to, and under and it's under, understandable they're out scouting. The more and more of that that goes on with the traffic into our limited water holes with cameras impacts people's quality of their hunts as well. And and we have seen the number of people talking about quality of hunts for, uh, for many years. And you know, there's always a debate about quality versus quantity. Commissioners deal with that too. Some people want to be able to go hunting more often. Some people want to only be able to They want less hunting and larger animals. Uh, That debate rages on for commissioners as well. When you get into the technology aspects of all of these things, commissioners have to deal with people that have opinions on all sides. And at the end of the day, going to Cody's question of why didn't you choose something lesser? We looked at seasons, And seasons are problematic because we have hunts year round. So you're going to say this species is worthy of using a camera and these species are not worthy of using cameras. The second is, is when you put cameras off of water, you'll actually proliferate more water, uh, more cameras. Because obviously it's not hard to put 10 cameras around a water catchment with 10 different game trails coming in and out of it. And so we'd end up actually with more cameras in the field. And that was not something the commission was interested in. And that would increase conflict as well. If all of a sudden we double the number of cameras out there, you will have more conflict. Those are all realities that are growing even when we were dealing with cameras over the last 10 years. And and I do want to close with that, Cody. This issue is not new it has gone on since I've been on the commission. It, it escalates as do other discussions of other technologies and you laid it out beautifully. You know what, why not this? Why not that? Those are the tough decisions that commissions make. And I always tell people, I tell my friends and and Commissioner Guggenhauer knows I tell fellow commissioners, if you have an expectation that you will leave the commission more popular than you went on, uh, you need to change your perception because you will not leave the commission more popular than when you went on, and that's okay. That's not your job. We get paid the big bucks, uh, and I say that facetiously. I we get paid the big bucks to make tough decisions that sometimes make some people uncomfortable, and that's just part of being on a commission. But if we don't make these decisions, if we don't sit back and take a look at what we're doing, how we're doing it, and will that perpetuate that wildlife and that opportunity for future generations or not, then there's no reason to have a commission. Um, And hunting is not, uh, you, you know, hunting is something that we, I mean, it's one of the most important parts of my life. And being successful in a hunt is one of the most exciting things I ever go through personally. But I also want to make sure that my grandson gets to do it. And it's that simple. And the path that we're on in Arizona, again, I'll come back. You, you have, you have a convergence of major issues. Available technology that goes down in price every year. Limited water generational drought, uh, drought. a population that will hit 10 million before we blink our eyes, better equipment than we've ever had during our history as sportsmen and women. You couple all of those things together and you're going to create a scenario that if you don't sit back, your podcast will be talking about Arizona in a much different way 25 years from now.
3: Perfect. Cody? Yeah, I, I want to address a couple of things. First of all, here's, I'll make you both a promise that I will never run for game commission, and I care about the future of animals as much as you do, okay? Um, you just have bigger stones than me to, to take on that position. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to do it. I'll, I'll sit here and take a couple hours a week to talk with Robbie and and good folks about these kind of things, but I do not envy those decisions to be made. Um, And when someone, you know, the system that we have, which I think arguably, if you want to look at our wildlife populations as a whole across the United States and compare it to any other country in the world, we, we could probably stand up and argue we have the best if not one of the best systems in the world things are we're pretty spoiled here and the system that we have is that you guys i could say you get to make those calls but probably it's better worded you have to make those calls um and then deal with you know the percentage of whatever that's out there that disagrees with it so no envy of that and uh no no uh you know I, I I think I'll state my personal opinion that I think it would have been better to try some type of a phase in thing. I'll also reiterate I don't live in Arizona, so it's technically none of my business. Um I don't really know all the details because I don't live there and I don't it's not a job of mine um, and I don't you know the the big one is I don't get to make that call right that's that's not the system. I do think there's some people out there um who who would not think we all everybody on this podcast knows there's people some people out there that think that's worth pushing back on um that's also part of our system that if they disagree with you they get to mount their efforts and 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 push back against it that's just it's how it works and it's the greatest country in the world and that's the reason is the average joe out there gets a chance to take on the commission if he wants to that's that's why america's great um, I think there's a uh, another big question in my mind that I, I promise it's not very long, but is enforcement. And I apologize because I don't have the actual um I don't have the actual text in front of me, but can I ever if if I were to go out and put a camera in, let's say April just to for the sake of Question on a water hole that there happened to be some mule deer at. Um, can I ever I'm exaggerating for effect, okay? But can I ever hunt mule deer at that water hole again? I don't is the question make sense? I worded it horribly, and I'm not trying to be facetious or a smart ass. I don't understand, like if I'm ever gonna hunt that waterhole for mule deer, I can just never put a camera on it. Is that oversimplifying it.
2: And just before before you answer, Jim, I think to add a point to what Cody, what we've heard is there's a lot of gray here, right? There's a lot of what if my buddy had a camera and he sent me a picture. It's not my camera and I went in there and I killed that I used a trail camera to take. It just what we've heard and to Cody's point is that there's a lot of gray here to what constitutes take
0: right so um, maybe i can help with that and as we are having this podcast the game and Fish department the law enforcement branch is putting together exactly the types of things you're talking about how how will it be enforced what will be the determinations where will discretion be used and ideas like that you know one of the things is if a person has a picture of animals between now and January. And then after January, when it becomes law, what, what do you do about that? So um, those, those types of things are being reviewed, but I'll, I'll share a story with you because we've been getting that question a lot. Uh, two months ago at the commission meeting, we had a revocation case that was in front of us and it was over baiting for bear. And this gentleman decided that he was going to, you know, a lot of bait for, for bear in the state of Arizona. He decided he was going to do this. So he did this for six months. Our Operation Game Thief received a phone call almost immediately after he set up his, his baiting area and said, "A guy's baiting out there, here's the GPS coordinates uh, for him. So our Uh, Game rangers went out there and looked at it, and sure enough, it was a baiting site. So they put up a camera, and they put up a transmitting camera, and they watched that site, and they watched all the activity on that site until hunting season came around. It was many months, many interactions, and many recordings of what was going on. When the guy came in to hunt over the bait, he was in his tree stand when the game ranger literally walked in on him and said, what are you doing? So there wasn't a question about, oh, I'm not, no, no, I'm not using that bait or or anything like that. And so there, all those tools that are available to game rangers and wildlife managers, uh, they will use to implement these rules. Now, will there be some subjectivity in it? Absolutely. I mean, no no cases that we have uh, don't involve statutes, rules, some interpretation of, of what that thing is. So I don't think it's going to be a race to see who can write the first citation over this thing. I think it'll be quite the opposite. I remember Chairman Davis was telling me that when they when the commission passed the baiting rule, it was something like eight years before there was a case before the commission that was related to baiting. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's like the same thing here, but I can assure you, Cody, and constituents that listen to this, it's not gonna be, hey, I had a a picture and I can never go back to that area and and look at that. It's gonna be something where you're caught red-handed, and there's data to prove what you've done and that's where the that's when the citations and the revocations will happen. So more to come we've been telling people that between now and January you will be getting updates on how the rules can be implemented and interpretations of it. So if you're in Arizona and you're watching this uh, stay tuned to the Game and Fish website because that's where it'll be posted.
3: Uh, Great answer. Bobby, and if I was go back to the I was... comment
0: about the first-come, first-serve area. Uh, I think that was related to the, um, to the tree stands and the use of those. But, but I kind of turned that around. And I'm saying if everybody in Arizona understands the first-come, first-serve philosophy, if that's what it is, or mentality, then how do we end up with 25 trail cameras on a, on a waterhole?
2: No, that's a good point. That's a d- good point, Jim. So let me, um, let me ask this. I really only have one last thing that I want to ask you and this, it, it, it almost brings it full circle. So the trail camera ban goes into effect January of 2022. Correct? Correct. If I am not mistaken, based on our initial conversation, Every rule within the Game and Fish Commission gets opened every five years. Correct.: Isn't the, the rule under which trail cameras exist meant to be opened again in 2022?
0: I don't know the answer to that. I don't know when the last time uh, it was. I don't think that that's accurate. I think it's two years out or, or something like that, but. It will come up uh, for the routine review uh, whenever that is. I don't think it's, it's in 2022, though.
2: Okay. Let me hypothetically, let's just talk hypothetically.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Because um, I don't know why that's in my brain, but it was almost like uncanny that I was like, it's going to be opened again in 2022. So, hypothetically,
0: if it's opened, what happens? Why was the uh, why was it reviewed in a shorter cycle time, you're saying?
2: No, 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 no. We, we've, already, we've already covered right. that. And there's a whole, you know, there's a whole... I'm just, no, if in 2022, if the rule is meant to be opened every five years, and let's just assume 2022 is the fifth year, that rule would be opened again. And would you evaluate it, even though essentially the trail camera ban would have been in place only for essentially a couple of weeks or a month or so. Okay, I, I
0: see what you're saying. Um, so I guess the short answer is yes, that's the way it, it would be done. We would follow that regular uh, order of when we do our reviews. Um, but my it's either 2023 or 2024, the disk was scheduled to come up again for review. So we did another cycle okay. one uh, here. But, to uh, yes, as we do that, public input will be received, uh, just like any other article or that we're reviewing on a five-year cycle. And uh, the public has an opportunity to submit uh, comments to that, uh, as does anybody who's a hunter, non-hunter, uh, whatever. So all of those uh, get considered. Uh, sometimes we end up with huge files over five years that have been accumulated on a certain subject. Sometime,
2: not so much. Mm-hmm. Well, Cody, do you have anything else you want to say?
3: Um, I think there's one more quick point that may not be quick that I think we would be. Uh, I, I hope that, that uh, Commissioner, I'd, I genuinely mean this question as a chance for you to respond to it, not something that I lay a ton of merit in. Um, but there is a lot of discussion about the changing of motivations, the, the changing of the commission's motivations. You said in this podcast that your main motivation all along was fair chase. I, from getting to know you, completely believe that statement. Um, but when this was launched, okay, I got to give one more preface just out of respect that I'm not 100% sure that what I'm saying is true. It's what I'm being told, okay? that when this was launched, it was about human safety with the confrontations. Um, And then from there, it, it morphed to a fair chase issue. And there are folks claiming, again, I don't even know, there are folks claiming that that was because the human conference let, that fair chase came up only because this wasn't working or something along those lines. There's a lot of talk about the the seeming change of motivations for the commission um, in in addressing this topic, and I think that you should have a chance to reply to that um, that we can that we can put on record.
0: Sure. Thank you, Cody. And so. Uh, we've heard this argument uh, before that it, it changed from a, a human safety issue to a fair chase issue, but like we started the the podcast with, each commissioner has reasons for why they decided to do that. Uh, for me, fair chase was was always at the crux of it, but for other commissioners, I fully understand the drought. I understand too many cameras on uh, water holes and I understand the human safety side of it. Those were always there. It's just what people chose to articulate or what their perception was. It's not that we didn't have these other confrontations going on and conversations going on. It's what some people chose to use as their debate to go forward and um, link it to a letter that was written by the director. But, uh, it was just a position to debate the thing. It really, in my mind it's 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 kind of on the periphery of of what we're debating here. yeah i go I go back. I want to emphasize this over and over again. Legal, regulated, and ethical hunting is what we are all about. If we don't have that, then we will not succeed in our endeavors to keep hunting for future generations. And when we start chipping away at, at those, uh, it's, a, it's a slippery slope. So I understand that people have had cameras and they've used them uh, for a long time. I would ask them to go rethink about what they're doing. As I said in my motion, if we're teaching youth that hunting is about putting cameras out and then sit in water to go hunt, we are missing the ethos of what hunting should be. It should be in the field. It should be the experience. It shouldn't be the kill. And so we always have to emphasize that portion of what we're doing. And when we make arguments that you, you said this and you did this, uh, I think it's to avoid the conversation that it's a fair chase issue and therefore an ethical issue. And that's where the commission is. Does that, does that answer what you, your question, Cody, where are you going?
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I I also couldn't agree with you more about the things you said. And then a part of me is like, what if, I mean, what if their motivations did change, right? I mean, if, if they're real, they're both legitimate motivations to be having this discussion. Um, l- like I said, I still, uh, and I got a little tiny, deep down part of me that, uh, you know, is not anti-government, but skeptical or or questions. Right? Like I'm not. I promise you, I don't. That's all it is. I also completely respect. Law enforcement and the rules and I 100 percent believe that game commission rules um combined with early conservation efforts and the Lacey Act and Pittman Robertson are the reason that they're they're the reason I get a lot of elk and deer on my trail cams, right? <laughs> because they're there. Um and it's uh I, I I respect all of that and I I think that you had to make it a, you you know, you, you had to make a decision. Like I said, um, if I was the omnipotent ruler of omniscient and omnipotent ruler of Arizona game laws, I would have at least pushed to find a way to lessen the effect instead of try to eliminate it outright. Um, but I'm not... I'm just a joker sitting in his loft in Colorado that thinks he has a reason and a right to talk about it. That's all I am. Um, I don't think all of the, when people feel like their rights are being attacked, um, you know, a lot of good people go into a a hyper defensive mode. And I think that's where this change in motivation and it's all about timing and all of the kind of political mumbo jumbo that I, I don't, I don't have enough knowledge to sink deep into. So I'm not envious of your decision. I don't uh, get it 100%, um, but I really do think it's cool that game commissioners get on a forum like this um, and let me say things that aren't just agreeing with them and and applauding them 100%. I, I think that's awesome that you guys did that. Um, And I have full faith and belief that you guys, your motivation was to do what's best for the animals. Um, It's also just the fact that sometimes those things are subjective and we've got to deal with that. That's where I'm at.
0: um, I take a little bit of issue with the word subjective. Uh, I think the data is is pretty clear with, with what we're the way we're looking at it. Uh, don't forget, 50% of the people that we spoke with support the the commission's decision to do this. So you're hearing from people that, um, you know, might be opposed or might have their reasons to be opposed to it. But it would, the, the other issue about, you know, it's our right to do this and you're taking away rights that we have. Hunting in the state of Arizona is not a right, it's a privilege. And people need to understand that it can go away. And I mean, the legislators could come in and they could make a decision that we're not going to do that. So we tried to emphasize that to some people that, um, you know it's, it's a good thing that we have. Hunting in Arizona is a, is a great tradition and a great sport. Um, and so that's kind of where we are. We're one of those 50-50 kind of decision things, there's no right answer, as, as Commissioner Davis said. You know, I've lost friends. I've got, I've got people I thought were friends who don't wanna to talk to me anymore. We got some really derogatory texts uh, during the meeting and right after the meeting when this decision was made from people that are in my personal contact list. So I get what he's saying and I understand that. And what you're saying, Cody, is exactly right. Uh, we have this, you know, burden or whatever you want to call it to do what's right for conservation and for wildlife in the state of Arizona. And that's the path I think we're on as five commissioners. Uh, I'm proud of the my co-commissioners making this decision. I was I was intrigued uh, to listen to their rationale and their reasons for their vote because they were all different and uh, I really enjoyed that and uh, I, I don't know what else to say, except uh, that's where we are today. And uh, I look forward to the, the future of hunting in Arizona. And I can't wait to see uh, see how things roll out.
3: Yeah, just really quickly. My only use of the word subjective was there are a lot of other hunting organizations and regulatory groups who disagree with the fair chase at this time. That's That's what I meant by it was, like Arizona made a subjective decision based on fair chase. Um, Other groups have made the other decision. I'm I'm not saying anyone's right or wrong, but it is subjective in the fact that there are people in regulatory positions who disagree right now. And that's what I meant by the word subjective.
0: We'll just agree to disagree on that point.
3: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I can, I have full appreciation for that. Thank you very much. Thank you.
0: Yeah.
2: Commissioner Guggenauer, uh Jim, we much appreciate, as, as Cody said, we much appreciate the ability to test you, push you, not necessarily agree with everything that you've said. And I did just receive an email from uh, Commissioner Davis that he got struck by a storm and got knocked out. So... Wait,
3: wait, wait, his connectivity got, the Commissioner Davis is fine physically. His, <laughs>
2: Correct, sorry. His,
3: his connectivity got knocked
2: out. <laughs> his connectivity got knocked out. Um, but yeah, we appreciate you, you coming on again, Jim. And um, thank you for just being willing to step out, right? Because you never know what's going to happen, especially on a podcast and the kinds of questions you're going to get. So we appreciate you uh, coming on and especially, obviously, Commissioner Davis coming on.
0: Uh, absolutely, and so uh robbie this is this whole experience going back to our first meeting, has been just just great i I credit both of you I mean this is a good debate to have. We know going in I mean, anyone who looks at blood origins knows that debate is raging out there on various fronts, various topics out there. You guys handle this marvelously. And uh, I, have, I have no problem talking with you about these positions. Knowing they're going in, you know, everyone's not going to agree. That's, that's a given. You know, we have that all yes, over sir. the place. So uh, I appreciate what you guys did. I appreciate uh, the questioning and the fairness in, in both of our
3: podcasts we've done. Thank you, Jim. Yeah, thank you very much.
2: Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always.